Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert, as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. Hi, this is Scott Santucci. And I'm Brian Lambert, and we are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is dedicated to helping leaders understand the big questions they should consider to be successful in sales enablement. On this podcast, we like to reframe, revisit, rethink, and tackle reality in the sales enablement role. Scott, why don't you frame it out for us today? Sure thing, Brian, and thank you very much for everybody listening. That's a great introduction, Brian. One of the things that we're gonna be talking about here today is the fuzzy world, the, the gray area of sales coaching and the difference between frontline sales managers and sales enablement. And to, to give that some color, the, the way that we're gonna frame it out is I'm gonna tell a little bit of a story about the Hubble Space Telescope. And if you are a science nerd like myself, you're appreciating the wonderful images that we have. Shoot, they even took a, a, a photo a couple months ago of actual real life black hole. It's amazing, it's absolutely amazing. But the story that, uh, of starting out wasn't so great. When the Hubble Space Telescope was first released and uh, brought out of the space shuttle, it had a problem. It actually couldn't focus on, <laughs> on anything really. And the problem that had is like most complex machinery, there were different teams. One team was focused on uh, doing calculations using the metric system. Another team was focused on using the standard system. And you can think, ha oh, ha, what a bunch of idiots. But I think no one in their right mind would call somebody who works at NASA, literally a rocket scientist, stupid. The issue is when things get complicated, it's very, 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 very easy uh, for people to lose sight of, uh, of clarity, particularly lack of communications and the like. So that's, um, that's what we're talking about. And Brian, your thoughts? <laughs> well, I would say um, we don't have the uh, standard coaching system and the metric coaching system, or maybe we do, but uh, when you look at that, Scott, what's, what's your point as it relates to sales coaching? My point on that is very simple. Sales people are smart. Sales managers are smart. Sales enablement people are smart and VPs of sales are smart. Let's assume everybody in their roles are smart. It is very easy for us to, to sit there and call and think other people are not able to do one thing or the other, but maybe we have a bigger problem, which is a lack of clarity. And that's really the, 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 the keystone of this. So what we're gonna do in this conversation is like most sales enablement uh, professionals, every single one of us has our own lens, our own perspective. Uh, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna paint that a, a, a little bit and we're gonna, we're gonna role play this out and say for the sales enablement people who are saying, hmm, I've read a lot about frontline sales coaching. It's a great force multiplier for, for, for us to do. I'm going to provide uh, coaching services. 
coaching uh, for our reps. And the reason that I'm going to do that is because, well, I have to demonstrate value, right? I mean, let's, let's, let's cut to the chase. We have a fuzzy role. Most of the organization doesn't, most of the rest of our, the organization doesn't really understand what we do, but I have so much, I've communicated so much expertise and talent around sales training and sales coaching that I'm going to get in that game because I'm not seeing frontline sales managers. Do it. So uh, don't know. I would say, uh, don't do that. Um, what? How can I not do that? Brian, I've got all this talent. I've, I've done all this training. Look at the feedback scores I get when I actually do courses. My feedback scores are through the roof. Why are you telling me not to do it? So I didn't know you were going to go there. So this is totally, you know, unscripted. But I would say I have, I'm having a visceral reaction to you taking on the frontline manager role. So in other words, to, to be more clear, um, if, if you're in a sales enablement function and you want to provide coaching services, you should be providing that to frontline managers and helping them coach, not doing their job for them. Because in today's world, in my opinion, the, the role of a frontline manager is to drive fr productivity of their team. And that's their job to coach their people, not yours. Wait, what are you talking about, Brian? That sounds semantics. Uh, <laughs> co coaching the frontline sales managers versus their people. At the end of the day, the, the salespeople aren't able, without reinforcement of the training that we've provided on, let's say we're rolling out Challenger, our company's made a huge investment in that. If we don't have reinforcement in it, uh, it's gonna ha it's it, it's it's gonna die on the vine. I know it. You know it. No one's really concentrating on reinforcement, so I need to do it. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm laughing because uh, you you must have been on the receiving end of a lot of this type of discussion because <laughs> for people that know Scott, there's no way he would just say what you just what you just said. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you clarified this as role playing. So yep, I'm I'm a listener. Yeah, a listener. So um, but I, I would say okay. Um, in that view then what's the purpose of of the manager specifically right so i framed out the admin side and you know the role of a manager is just like any other frontline manager the approving vacations admin time expenses etc on the productivity side though that's the challenge you know because they're sales managers they're responsible for you know pipeline forecast you know closing deals etc and so when you look at the role of, of the first line manager, there's not a lot of clarity there. And I think there's a lot of assumptions is what I would well, say. Well, wait a second, Brian. Um, I don't need to read their job descriptions. I know that their number one job is to help drive performance of their reps. And they're not providing performance coaching to their reps. I sit on all those, uh, the, the, core, the QBRs. I hear, I hear it. They miss the, the qualifying opportunities left and right. They need help. I need to provide it for them. Well, have you asked them what help they need? Uh, to me, unleash. Brian, I've been doing this for twenty years. I don't need to ask to help when I see uh, when I see an, a QBR and I hear the conversations happening and I see the holes in the in, in the pipeline. I got to act. We got to act. We don't have time. Yeah, I would agree that you have to act, but one of the things that I would ask you to act on is un understanding the, the role specifically, and more importantly, driving that clarity across the organization, because you're making a lot of assumptions by acting uh, to, to fill a gap that you may, one, you may not need to, two, uh, somebody else may be doing. About, I was a frontline sales manager before. Well, well that was before, not, not today, where customers have evolved. 
uh, so solutions are a lot more sophisticated. And quite frankly, the demands on a sales manager's time are exponentially higher than when you did it before. Um, and, and also, uh, I believe that the role has, has morphed from an individual manager driving uh, individual deals to creating team outcomes with an entire team of people and to think that you can waltz right in there and, and start telling people how to close more deals, not only are you going to um, perhaps undermine the authority of the frontline manager, right? You're also perhaps gonna set back sales uh, numbers because you're not involved in it every day. It's a little naive to think you can walk into a sales process today and drive better results than somebody who's involved with five to eight people on a daily basis. I mean, I, what are you talking about? Why would you even want to do that? doesn't make sense. Wait a second. I'm the one who trained them all on our new sales methodology. So I'm the, I, I, I know everything there is to know about Challenger. Everything there is. Our reps aren't following the methodology. And I am in a unique position because I trained everybody on this. I'm in a unique position. How do I, what do you mean I don't know? I know because I know Challenger. Yeah, and you you can line up behind the, the 47 other people that know their widget that want the sales manager to help roll it out from marketing, from product, from the CRM team, from the analytics team, from HR, from talent acquisition, uh, from uh, product number 37, from the finance people to the operations people that want to talk about quarterly re-forecasts. Etc. And, and to think that, you know, you can come in as a sales training bias and say, you know, I taught your people, I know better than, than you do on how to manage perhaps a sales cycle, how to handle a sales call, how to uh, prioritize time and, and, and coach people how to prioritize time, how to re renegotiate the trade-offs on a daily basis uh, on, on these demands is, is not right to me. And I, I would say, redirecting that energy to go do something into the you know broader team view or the system view is way more valuable for example you know sales managers have the hardest job of anybody in the in in the business world today because of the of the pressures that they're under who's helping simplify what's coming at them and in with, with regard to coaching and talent in general uh, for example i think you could spend a lot more time understanding what uh, type of talent uh, you know sales managers need to to get from the recruiting team for example there's a lot of frustration there you know if you want to teach somebody challenger go teach the talent acquisition folks what salespeople are trying to do um, so, you know I think that would be a great use of your skills as a trainer uh, but to take over the sales managers job and coach their people on behalf of them uh, is, is, is to me insulting I wouldn't appreciate it if it was my team. Okay, so we're gonna end role play. So Brian, how'd I do? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pissed off right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that was great. But, you know, I think um, also- well, Why are you pissed? Why are you pissed off? Well, it's, it's one as well, I have a visceral reaction because uh, it's real, right? I, I had a sales manager call me, uh, I think a week and a half ago going, uh-oh, I just unleashed uh, you know, a whole, a whole tirade on my talent acquisition team. And I told him they were screwing up. He didn't use that word because uh, it was expletive laden, uh, you know, my whole sales team because they need to get their stuff together. Right. And, you know, 
it's frustrating to be a sales manager today. And uh, nope. And if you look at it, the reason why I'm having a, a an emotive reaction to this kind of you should you, you as a manager should go do X, Y, or Z. Um, I, 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 one was never asked by you what would be helpful Two, um, when I started actually sharing what, what I believe should happen, you kept, you know, arguing with me. Um, and, and that, that I think is, is frustrating for sales managers to be in that position. And that was, uh, that was, that was pretty heightened. And, um, you know, the purpose of that is we hear a lot of these kinds of feedback and, uh, the purpose of this show is, or this particular episode, is to understand the situation more holistically. So taking a step back, let's, let's break down this problem. Um, the frontline, what actually is the role and responsibility of a frontline sales manager? And if you were to look at this like a Venn diagram, you have two Venn diagrams coming together. You have one, uh, they are a cog, for lack of a better word, in the sales machine. So when you think about the sales leader working with human resources and finance, they have to put together a structure of their department. And in that structure of their department, there's a, there's a, a term called span of control, and they set a metric of how many reps report to whom. And it's a very mechanical viewpoint. And lost in that shuffle, the job description of a frontline sales manager gets overlooked. So it is not um, uncommon for many variations of a frontline job description to exist inside a company and somehow that gets baked in to, to somebody's job performance. Now, yeah. what that, what, so that's one side of it. The second side of it is I have, not, I have yet to meet, and I'm gonna ask you, Brian, a frontline sales manager that doesn't feel a heck of a lot of responsibility. Heck, they're paid. They're, uh, most of their salary is variable and it's based on the, their team's performance. I have yet to meet a frontline sales manager that isn't interested in helping their salespeople be better. Yeah, that's right. Have you ever met a frontline sales manager that isn't interested in that? That they wouldn't be in the job. Not for long. Right, right. <laughs> so the question that then is you have two competing forces. You have one force which says this job description, what we're asking of you as a frontline sales manager is unclear. And then secondly, you've learned how to, you, you're probably, if you're a frontline sales manager, you're at least a year or two away removed from the field, maybe even longer. So you probably don't know um, everything that's going on uh, in terms of techniques. The techniques that got you here to where you were may be different than the techniques that work today. And you probably aren't as empathetic uh, as, as you could be about the change that, you, you know, last year, two years ago, you were asking your sellers to sell a whole bunch of volume to minion level buyers. Now you're rolling out challenger or whatever uh, sales methodology. And now you want your sellers to go call, sell commercial insights for God's sakes to um, <laughs> business executives. Yeah, and twelve. And How do you eight, balance the two? And eight point four to thirteen point one by buyers. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it something has to give, and if we if we in sales enablement want to um, partner and leverage and be a part of the frontline sales manager group, we have to realize that they're under so much pressure 
they don't have a lot of vocabulary. I like what you said before with that. They don't have a lot of Arab vocabulary to describe these things. And these are the, these are some challenges. So let's get into some prescriptions now for what can a sales enablement leader do uh, to navigate. So do Brian, do you and I, what, what is it, what is our position on coaching as a thing, a business within a business, a service that um, sales enablement provides? What's our position on that? Well, one, uh, I would say do not provide that service to reps. Uh, if you're going to provide coaching services, provide it to managers and start with, to your point, having clarity on the first line manager role and, and ensuring, and if you do the interviews, do the needs analysis, whatever your name is, is for it, uh, that there's clarity across not only the sales management team, but the HR team as well. Uh, that, that would be the first thing. Yeah. So let me piggyback on that. So I'm speaking to you directly as a listener. If you believe that your greatest contribution to your company is to provide frontline, to provide coaching directly to reps. You are not a sales enablement professional. You are a sales coach. Call yourself a sales coach and be a sales coach and recognize that's what you are. For the so rest of us doing sales enablement, we're doing broader things than that. Well, isn't coaching underneath the enablement umbrella, Scott? I'm going to flip it back on you. Well, sure. That's what I'm saying. If that's how you're defining what you're, what you're adding the most value in, then you're not a force multiplier. Yeah, the that force you're, multiplier you're actually... would say, okay, I'm so confident in my ability to coach individual reps, I'm going to teach frontline sales managers how to coach their reps. So the service that I can get the best multiple out of my time is if I can get, let's say we have a hundred reps out of, out of my time, I could coach maybe 10, 20 reps, you know, let's say, or I can coach 20 sales managers who can coach their eight reps who, where am I going to have a greater return on my investment? I can build the same kind of a similar kind of curriculum that I know how to do. And I can create a common language that currently doesn't exist. Just like we say with sales, the, the benefit of a great sales methodology is that we have a common language amongst our sales force. We don't have a common language across our sales managers. And without that common language, it's going to be very difficult for me to get feedback on other programs that I could do. Yeah, that's a good point. I think less than uh, 5% of organizations, I can't remember who put that research out, but they said that less than 5% have an actual standardized, if you will, sales methodology. And, and even to me, um, sales, sales coaching, coaching methodology. Sales coaching methodology sales coaching, right. Yeah. And I would even say if you take sales coaching to some sort of one, one page picture, that would be helpful. Um, what, what is sales coaching? Because it's a conversation or is it a philosophy? Is it a task? Is it a process? Is it a methodology? What is it? And I think there's just a lack of clarity, not only on the manager role, which we've, we've both talked about, but the second point I would make to be successful in enablement uh, here uh, is, is what is sales coaching and, and how would you define it so that it can scale? And if, you, if you're not able to define it, so to speak, um, if you're not able to give it an identity, uh, delineate it from a methodology versus a philosophy, because the first pushback you're going to hear is from sales management. Oh, I, I'm, I'm constantly coaching. It's, it's my philosophy, you know? So uh, how would you handle that? And I think there's some, 
some work to be done there uh, that can, can drive a lot of leverage. So that'd be my second point, Scott, is to define what you mean by sales coaching. What, what's your reaction to that? Uh, I think that's I think that's right. I think we have two similar problems. Um, sales 101, right? So this is this is what makes this whole sales enablement thing hard, especially for those of you who have sales background. It's really hard to sell sales internally to salespeople. <laughs> it's hard, 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 hard to do. Yeah. But ultimately, that's what we're what we're talking about. And sales 101 is. Just because you see a problem doesn't necessarily mean your client's supposed to see a problem, right? Uh, I think solution selling calls it the latent pain to pain. Uh, I forget what other uh, other groups call it. But one thing that I, I think is really important is you're going to need some sponsorship from your VP of sales. If you're going to start doing things to quote unquote offer coaching services, you're going to need to have their support. The first way to do their support would be, how do we illuminate what the problem is in the first place? One thing to do that won't capture a lot of visibility is do some analysis on the variation to job descriptions and then prioritize, say, hey, look, here's the job description. Do some interviews of sales managers about what they're actually doing and then say, hey, look, these are the job, these are the job descriptions. Here's what they're actually doing. And then say, Mr. VP of sales, um, of these five things, what would you st state in order priority? I guarantee you the VP of sales is going to say, well, coaching our reps is going to be high. It's going to be, you know, definitely in the top two or three. Um, the care and feeding of the, you know, the spreadsheet management is not going to be high, but we're going to find out the amount of time that our frontline sales manager is spending doing all the spreadsheet maintenance and administrative stuff is going to be astronomical. So we first have to create the space. Even if we do create a great program, we have to create the, the, the time space to allow a program to actually thrive. Yeah. Giving that insight will give you permission from the VP of sales to say, go explore it. And now the VP of sales has your back and you can probably guarantee that you're going to get a lot of resistance from most of the frontline sales managers. So you're going to have to find your next group of people to, to, to target. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of, there's, you brought up three things in the, in that one is the variability across job descriptions. Definitely agree with that. The second is, you know, good old fashioned time and motion study for, for anybody who's got that kind of background, but like what are, what are managers actually spending time on? And then third is the prioritization uh, piece, right? So th that's just three variables that are kind of hidden and, and not really well understood or discussed. So I totally agree with those. That's a great, great point. So now what we've done with this, with these, with these three points, now we've created demand for our products and services. So instead of pushing a product and service uh, and acting in, in desperation, hopefully we've got other things that we're working on. Now, how would we design a coaching program? Like what, what it would look like? How would I communicate this, Brian, as a business within a business? What service am I providing yeah. to whom? And how would I measure my results? Yeah, so the audience here, the customer would be uh, sales managers, so first line. The, the, the service you're gonna provide would be some sort of, uh, you know, it'd be two, I'd look at it from two lenses. The mindset, philo philosoph philosophical side of it, like, you know, what's the purpose and the why, 
behind sales coaching and then two would be some sort of method. And I would, I would keep it simple. Um, you know, so it doesn't become yet another administrative compliance issue. Uh, because really to me, you have to teach and you want to teach sales managers how to drive team outcomes through, you know, real time, constant communication. Um, that that helps close you know the gap with their customers so, and, and, and oh by the way that just happens to be called coaching so if, if you go at it from let's teach them yet another model and another spreadsheet to go comply to um, the, you're not going to get as much leverage as let's talk about the team dynamic and what your team really needs from you and for example they might need you know more of a uh, you've got their back and, and as you have their back more they're going to bring things to you um, that they're having challenges with. If you are in your office all day long and they bring you issues and you rip their head off, you know, they're not going to come and tell you their challenges. So I could teach you a coaching model all day long. You're never going to be able to use it because you haven't built an environment where people want to get coached. Right. So there's a, there's a lot to figure out there, but I, I agree that your services could be in that vein to create some sort of program to create the environment where coaching interactions, because that's what we're talking about, the interaction between managers and reps uh, across five to eight people, their span of control to create the right type of team environment or subculture that, that closes the gap to customer. And I call that coaching. So let's let's break this down as a business within a business, right? So we, you and I both love this, uh, love this concept. I want to be in the coaching business. I have this expertise. People on my team have this expertise. I'm interested in differentiating my sales enablement department along the work, uh, along. So I'm going to do what my company does. The first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to do a market assessment. You do an impact assessment. What is the, what might the impact of better, more consistent, more standard coaching look like inside our organization? Do an analysis, uh, the variable study, the time motion study and prioritization gap. It sounds like a lot of work. It's you do need to do the work, but it doesn't take a lot of time. Just take some discipline, have a readout, shot that readout, role play out that readout with a few sales managers beforehand to get the right language and communicate it to the, the head of sales. The head of sales is going to want is they're going to want everything at first because you're going to expose it and say, here's my game plan of how we're going to roll out. So point number one is do a market study, present it and get buy-in from, you know, <laughs> your funder, your, 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 um, uh, your board investor. of directors. Yeah. Right. Your investor. Point number yep. two. Now you build your service, uh, to Brian's point. Uh, I'd like you to really embrace this idea. Minimum viable product. Brian gave fantastic advice. If anything, just lay out a standard framework to start off with. You're going to feel like that's not good enough that you need to have a whole heck of a lot more because they're going to be judging you on your quality of your deliverables or whatever. But really the thing that you're judging on is just, are you moving the needle and recognize that out of a, let's say you have a population of 10, uh, 10 managers. Most of them are going to ignore it anyway, just like salespeople are going to ignore it. So you want to focus on you roll it, you roll something simple out to everybody. But to Brian's point, you want to listen to the 20%, those two, they're like, hey, Scott, what you're talking about, that sounds great. Now you're in a position where you're working with your power users, just like business 101, you find your, 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 your power customers and you build other services on top of that. 
So things, uh, so for example, one thing that you can do is you can have a sales rep form. In all intents and purposes, you're providing coaching to them, but you're not providing coaching that's competitive with the, with the frontline sales manager. You're saying frontline sales manager, you're probably not gonna have a lot of opportunities for your, for your individual salespeople to practice different kinds of scenarios. Is that right? Yes, that's right, Scott. I can create an environment where people can opt in, we'll pick a topic, let's say it's prospecting, and we'll let the reps talk to each other about how they're getting the best out of, out of uh, coaching. And then I will write up what the findings are, offer some tips, and send it out to everybody. Make that an opt-in thing, not something that's, that's required. So now you're in support of, of frontline sales managers. We're just trying to give you an overall view of what all this stuff could look like. Yeah, and, and what you're saying there, Scott, is you build the services, and, and this is hidden, and I want to call it out here, put it on the front burner here. You're doing it with sales managers and their teams, not to them. And I think you and I are both wired that way to do it with them, um, but a lot of it is coming at sales managers is, you know, here's your, here's your kit, here's your course, go do it. And uh, that's not going to land. So if you're going to build something, and I know you have the old, you know, build or buy, right? You can bring somebody in, uh, but how's that going to land? Yes, and you know, my advice on build or buy is it's always better to know to do something yourself first before you shop it. You know, shop it out. Um, get enough detail so that you know what it is that you're looking for because there's a lot of people out there that have very strong opinions uh, about what coaching is or isn't, uh, Brian and I included. You should know the environment. Uh, the, the one thing you should know for sure is how will I measure su success? And if you don't have a way to measure success, you probably shouldn't move forward. So anybody in the coaching space, ask them about how they would measure success. If at the end of the day, they're measuring individual reps performance, I strongly recommend you either, if you like their approach, refer that on to some sales managers. Um, but you probably don't want to be in the business of directly coaching individual reps because you are in competition with the business within a business that's frontline sales management. Brian, what are your wrap us up here? What are what are some of your your your, your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know we we've talked about um, the clarity challenge. We talked about this idea of how would we provide coaching services. I think um, you know th there's some some other variables to consider uh, that that are critical in the build with that you'll uncover. That's why I like the minimum viable product, but also being in tune with the culture, being in tune with uh, what HR is thinking around this idea of coaching, things like that, being more curious is critical. And when you look at it, uh, make sure you're not coaching in competition with sales managers, but creating an environment that helps them be successful uh, in their relationships with their, with their, with their reps. Um, from a measurement perspective, you know, I've found over and over again when it comes to sales coaching, if, if sales managers say this thing is awesome, then, then that's a, a really the only measurement that sales VPs actually need uh, today with regard to sales coaching because it's, it's been so fuzzy 
and so hard to get your head around. It's really been a qualitative measure on, hey, the managers seem to like this thing. As long as it helps them, we're good. And that's kind of the state of affairs here uh, from that perspective. Uh, and it's, it, uh, well, how would you measure it then? You're killing me with a bag. I got to have metrics. I got to have metrics. I gotta so have how metrics. would you, okay. So how would you measure it? Well, it, I would measure it. So I'm not, I'm not, I, I definitely think that's an easy first win. Um, let's call that a net promoter score. Yeah. Like a net promoter. Right. But we need yeah. to have discipline for it. Because if we yeah, don't have some metrics on that, then we, we, you know, it's just we we don't be we we don't want to be at the whim of anybody's opinion. Uh, for me, if you've done a good good enough job on your setup part, right, your discovery work, you're gonna know how it, you know how much time sales managers are wasted or how much time is spent. So if I can give you, if only t- ten hours a week. Our, our sales managers are able to invest in coaching for, for frontline sales managers or for, for salespeople, and I can get it to 20 hours. Well, that's great. Then what, what I want to do is I want to track by each sales manager how much time that they're, that, that, how much uplift time that they've got and whether or not there is an uptick in performance because I want to do the correlation. My correlation isn't me and the direct reps. It's my ability to amplify sales managers for their sales performance. It's an easy, it's a, it, if you go and understand the data, it's an easy metric to pull out. If you are intimidated by the data, it's going to be difficult uh, for it. Yeah. And that, if you have clarity, I agree that you can do that. And that's the thing. That's why it's really important that you start with clarity is once you have clarity, then you can measure things. And when you measure things, you, it becomes a positive uh, flywheel. Another, uh, another thing is if you are offering um, opt-in services, track the uh, attendance of those opt-in services. That's a metric. Uh, also track the performance of the people who, who are doing it and also capture their quotes. There are so many ways that you can measure uh, the impact of these things if you've done your work on, on the clarity part. If you don't, if you're sloppy there, it's gonna be really hard to measure. And to Brian's point, um, you know, you've, you, you're creating band-aids for folks and yeah, you know, the opinion um, uh, net promoter score will work, but guys, it's just not that difficult to do the variable, uh, the, the, the variation of the job analysis, the time motion study and the prioritization gap. Those are not hard things to do, and they provide you the foundation to measure lots of valuable things to show your contribution. Um, I think it's very, very, very short-sighted to skip those things because you think you want to move fast. Uh, it's actually going to prevent your, your opportunity for adding more value to your company moving forward. Yep. Thanks, Scott. And I think that's a great way to wrap it up. We're at time, and that's great words to to take forward this idea of measurement and uh, that framework you just outlined can be used for a lot of different things. So as always, everybody, thanks so much for your time. Uh, send us a, send us a note at engage at insidese.com. Also subscribe to our podcast using any of your uh, podcast players and tell a friend, tell a colleague about us. Uh, we only grow through word of mouth. So we appreciate you uh, sharing this with others and uh, building the community with us. And we look forward to uh, your ideas and your thoughts as we continue inside sales enablement. Thanks so much, everybody. Awesome. Awesome.
Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request.